Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. It's fun. (laughs) We're live. What's that? You hear the echo if I, I don't have that? I think it's only when I speak really loudly it comes through on your end. But don't worry about it. Anyways, uh, welcome to Starfleet Boy. Uh, we are having a casual and informal discussion today about the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Loud as a Whisper. Loud as a Whisper. Loud as a Whisper. This is <laughs> this is a story that I remember being really cool when I saw it. It was very different from Star Trek stories, and watching it again, um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Again, um, the acting superb. Uh, short summary: the uh, story is about the uh, there's this uh, planet uh, on which uh, two factions have been at war for over. I think they say 15 centuries, so 1,500 years. Um, and they finally decide that they're willing to maybe talk to each other to see if uh, they could come to a peaceful resolution of some kind. And so they request uh, the foremost uh, peacemaker diplomat in the Federation, uh, Rima, uh, Riva, sorry, Riva of Ramatis. I think that's the name of the planet, Riva of Ramatis. So um, Riva is played by a guy named Howie Sago. And um, he's uh, when we meet him, I think he's dressed kind of like a like a new age musician and college. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got the yeah, I got like a Yanni Andrea Bocelli, <laughs> although Andrea Bocelli is classical. He's not new age. But yeah, I got like a Yanni vibe from him it's very cool he's very he's very nine early eight late 80s early 90s with his waft of hair and beard and um which by the way the beards are coming back into style (laughs) (laughs) beards now um so rima i keep calling him rima Rima. riva sorry riva i have a friend named rima and that's why i keep saying rima as long as you don't call him riva (laughs) <laughs> Reba McIntyre. Reba, Reba McIntyre. Oh, I'm going to take a sip of this. Now? This is some adult beverage that I'm having. What's that? Where is she today? I don't know. Where is she? Ooh, that's really strong in flavor. It's very meaty. A very meaty wine. Oh. We're having today on Starfleet Boy. Anyways, Reva, um, we meet Reva and we find out that. Uh, we find out that his um, family, who are of the, I guess, the royal family of uh, Ramadis, 
um, have a genetic disorder in which uh, they're born without the ability to hear. So they've had to um, come up with this uh, really clever way of communicating. And so Riva has a chorus and his chorus is comprised of three individuals, each of which um, can read his thoughts and interpret them. And, and they, they focus on different, um, different aspects of his personality. So one is the scholar, poet, artist. Another one is uh, the warrior uh, kind of uh, passionate um, character. And then um, a third, the third one uh, claims that she brings every, both of it, into balance so she's more like his uh his balanced voice or his balance the balance in his personality between two extremes um and it's a really cool way that he communicates he um has a great there's a great um scene where he meets captain picard for the first time and you know he even has that scene where he insists that captain picard uh talk to him not to the chorus there's a a lot of neat little things and then um we have a couple of uh, interesting things that arise from Riva's uh, visit to the Enterprise. He, he deeply touches everyone in some way, but uh, in particular, he touches Jordy uh, because they both share a disadvantage that they've turned into an advantage. And actually, that's kind of like the theme of the episode. Anyways, uh, Riva and the chorus, um, you know, after intru- being introduced to the crew of the Enterprise, um, and Riva makes no... Um, no bones about showing his affections for Counselor Troy. So this is another Troy heavy episode. I wonder how you felt about that. I'm excited to find out. <laughs> so then um, they have like a little bit of a romantic liaison. They get to the planet, beam down, uh, meet the two warring factions. And unfortunately, one among them does not like the idea of peace. So he tries to kill Riva. He fails. Riker saves Riva. But unfortunately, the chorus gets killed and now Riva is left uh, without the ability to express his uh, his his thoughts and feelings uh, goes back to the Enterprise and then they have to come up with a solution which kind of involves Data and Counselor Troy but cleverly Riva decides that he's going to teach the um, warring factions uh, sign language so that they can communicate with him and then hopefully through that uh, they will um, find some common ground which is his his recipe for success um, and then he'll be able to help them to to create a, a lasting peace and that's it that's the whole story Riva of oh. Ramatis <laughs> Riva of Ramatis what did you think? Um, I actually well this is a very uh, this is a very good Troy episode as you said and I think it actually uh, lays out the, the the type of scenarios that I think Troy works best in. I, I I'm convinced that uh, like if I had so, if if I were running Next Generation back then, Troy would not have been a counselor. She would have been uh, sort of a diplomatic liaison, just aboard the Enterprise to. Because at the end of the episode, remember, it's Troy who says, I'm going to go down and I'm going to talk to these people. Right. And she seeks Riva. And, and you know, if and if for whatever reason Riva had continued to sulk and be like, oh, I can't do this because, you know, whatever, whatever, it would have been Troy. And um, certainly an onboard uh, diplomatic envoy is more useful 
on a day-to-day basis, I think, than a counselor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think as a character, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see Troy in these kinds of situations. I think Troy was great in this episode. Um, I, uh, I also liked the scene with Jordy where he met with Reva. And then later on, um, if I'm not mistaken, he is in sickbay with Dr. Pulaski, correct? Who, uh, Jordy, yeah, there's that scene. Jordy, yeah. where he actually talks about um, ocular, and we have Jordy here with us uh, today, because I don't have a Troy figure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not surprised. Uh, and um, Dr. Pulaski was mentioning ocular implants and it seemed to set up that he might actually be uh, discarding the visor very soon but that never happened and uh, I'm not until uh, Star Trek uh, Insurrection which <laughs> no wait a minute first contact he had he didn't have the visor no are you sure right yeah I think so hold on let's look now we have to look up what Jordy right. looked like in first contact. I could have sworn it was in, uh, you might be right though. Hold on, Jordy, first contact. Let's see here. I'm pretty sure. You're absolutely Jordy. right. That's right. And he had the cool contacts that like the, they did the effects were, yep. Right. right. So it was first contact. You know, looking at LeVar, Burt- LeVar Burton without um, the visor, he looks great. <laughs> he looks fantastic, well, but he also looks really cool with the visor. But you forget what a what a handsome chap uh, Lavar Burton Lavar Burton is. Well, yeah, um, big, big big gorgeous eyes. Well, uh, he preferred he would have preferred to have had them. You know, uh, he he worked very hard throughout the whole show to get the visors taken off, but really? but he still wanted to be blind. Ah, okay. Because he thought it's important, you know, to inspire people with a handicap uh, to be, you know, to be that that sort of uh, that cat sort of character. And uh, so um, but that, I thought that was interesting that, you know, Pulaski. Um, yeah, like I'm surprised that uh, Dr. Crusher didn't, <laughs> didn't offer this to him. I mean, like, I'm yeah, also- she's in charge of Starfleet Medical for crying out loud. Maybe Dr. Crusher realizes that there's a little bit more to it um, because because uh, Jordy is a little spooked by the whole idea of regrowing his eyes. Even he's so used to what the visor does for him. And, you know, it's an interesting it is an interesting scenario because um, Reva, even in that one scene, it's almost like holding on to your disadvantage because it enriches you in other ways. And and Riva, when he meets Picard, he says, I was born deaf and I hope to die that way as well. He also embraces this. Um, by the way, did did you know that the the female character in the chorus, who I, I think is called Harmony, mm-hmm. um, is John Delancey's wife? What? Marnie Moisman. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. That's an IMDb... Uh, Thing. And the actor who plays Riva is actually deaf in real he life. He is actually deaf, yes. Um, and uh, he uh, met with, uh, this is of course coming from our favorite source here, mm-hmm. our companion. Um, 
I'll quote from here. Howie, uh, who is actually deaf, met with the producers during the writer's strike to suggest a show built around a deaf actor as a guest star. And this episode is the result. Ah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a really great result. I thought it was a very moving performance. He's a great actor. Um, and it looks like, let's see, let's just, since I'm on this IMDb here, um, he's been in a couple things, even right up until 2008. Um, but he has a very short list of credits as actor. He's only done six films or, or pieces. He was on the TV show Hunter. Oh, that's a good show. Hunter. Yeah, and he was also on The Equalizer, another... Oh, the great Edward Woodward. Yep. Uh, And then there's three movies. I think one is called Beyond Silence, The Legend of the Mountain Man, where he plays someone's grandpa, and then The Deaf Man, which is a short film in 2008 um, that he made. And I'm a little worried now. Let's go back to his bio real quick here. Um why hasn't he worked since I get really scared yeah. when when actors don't have anything past a certain uh, a well, certain I mean, day. Uh, perhaps it's just very difficult to get roles, <laughs> and um, and of course you know he I I'm sure acting is not his uh, his first you know I'm sure that's not what uh, it's not his main job I'm sure he has he does other things. Yeah, I'm I'm um, sure too. There's no uh there's no birthday or anything uh list in fact uh, Howie Sago's uh, IMDb um entry entry is um is quite limited here. Well, IMDb doesn't have everything. No, it I, apparently it does not. Uh so anyways, um the chorus uh I thought was really a cool concept. Um, I thought this was a very alien concept without, you know, without being, without there being aliens <laughs> necessarily, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, let me I don't ask think you. I've ever seen anything like that before or since. Have you? No, but uh, I was going to ask you, how effective do you think Reva really is <laughs> as a negotiator with that chorus coming in? I mean, don't you think it's a little distracting? He says he's never failed. He says that um, he's been 100% successful. If you, I thought he was a little bit arrogant, for sure. You that know, too. but I mean, this is like a relation. I think the chorus works because they kind of, even in the episode, they do a good job of this. Um, all the scenes in which Reva is interacting with the crew, the chorus. A lot of times they'll they'll focus in on Riva just kind of looking at you while the chorus is talking and doing these kind of like, you know, head gestures that kind of match what they're saying. And mm-hmm. you totally think that somehow he somehow they're he's able to project his his actual thoughts through this chorus and you do think that it's him talking. And I loved it. I actually loved it, like that they spent a lot of time in the introduction scene going through the story of how it all works and like the, the history and everything like that. Um, and I really love that whole scene where Captain Picard is just like discovering 
how to communicate with Riva, and we find out about the history of the chorus, how they've been, you know, set for centuries. They're, they've had a relationship with uh, members of this royal family, and that's how they talk. And, you know, Riva happens to be a diplomat of some kind, but, you know, you can imagine, like, how um, how dramatic and interesting that would be if you were the king of this uh, you know, of this uh, civilization and you had this chorus that came out whenever you held court, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, it just kind of uh, gave me a lot of cool side ideas and side thoughts uh, based on it. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting, like when a certain, you get used to them really quickly because even later on on the bridge, what, you know, when you hear harmony speaking, it's a certain way. When you hear warrior speaking, it's a certain uh, emotion and when you hear the scholar speaking it's a certain emotion too and I thought that was done really well um, and it was very touching I thought because Riva is this like inspirational figure I mean the way he talks to Jordy and like when he when he meets Data he can't find his heart and he's like you know other other people would be like where's your heart you know and he instead um, acknowledges that Data is a unique and he's like it's an honor to meet such a unique uh, being, you know, he's like, oh, this guy's obviously a tin man of some kind. I also liked another scene when he's having dinner with Counselor Troy and he's describing the pulse of the Enterprise, the actual, the feel, you the know, like of the hum of it, you know. But, but I, it may, it reminded me that the, um, the warp core on the Enterprise D has that cool pulsating thing, which is new. And it is like a heartbeat when the Enterprise is going at full warp. It's like, you know, there's some scenes where you see that that heartbeat like it's like you do feel like it's going to burst out of out of the Enterprise's heart's going to burst out of its chest, so to speak, you know, from from uh, pushing it to the limits or whatever. And I imagine that like um, that's what it feels like. It's like a pulse, like a pulsing, like a heartbeat you know, at, at standard warp or whatever. And Riva can feel this. He doesn't hear it, but he definitely feels it. And that's a fascinating, beautiful scene. And it reminds me about how cool. Sure, no problem. But uh, outside of that, there was, um, there's not a lot, you know, outside of that, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of uh, scenes um, uh, that, that kind of focus on, I think it was all about Riva, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think this episode sort of reminded me of, uh, um, you know, in seventies and sixties television, you know, very often you would have the special guest star right. and they would come on and, uh, you, you, and of course you had great character actors in those days, like, um, Ricardo Maltaban, Leslie right. Nielsen, stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. Well, I, well, they did come up with this story for this season, as, as I just read. But, um, uh, you know, he the actor came to their crew, to the production staff and said, let's build an episode around a deaf actor, namely myself. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense. And... Uh, I thought the actor, you know, uh, played it well. For some reason, this episode, I often confuse this episode with um, the episode Tin Man. Oh. I don't Tin know Man why. Was that, that cool. Oh, by the way, did you notice um, 
No, that's the next episode. Sorry. I Yeah. For, for our next, next episode. episode, we have some stuff to talk there's about. A, there's an Oz reference. Yes. Um, I don't know why I get the I think as Troy also has a similar relationship with with that with that guy, the guy who has to talk to Tin Man for whatever reason. That's right. I don't know. So I I get these these two episodes crossed in my head sometimes. Is that this season or is that another season? I think it's later. Okay, okay. That was later. a cool, that was an interesting episode too. Yeah. So we are going to find so many interesting episodes on our journey through Star Trek Next Generation. Um, I thought, did you think, so you you were wondering if Riva was actually capable of what he, what he does. And, you know, there is that scene with, after he's lost his chorus, he's like, his confidence is completely deflated, which is interesting because you see this very like confident character in the beginning of the story and you, you know, even Riker, you know, Riker and everyone else kind of doubt Riker especially is always a little skeptical, <laughs> you know, I love Riker, man. yeah, Riker's great. Riker's a really awesome, awesome character. Um, I also like how Riker seems to be responsible for translating the technical, the techno babble, uh, most of the time. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Sir, the neutrino wave burst is 7.56. Therefore, I must uh, recommend that we go to yellow alert. You mean we're being exposed to high levels of dangerous radiation? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, he's always like, there's always like a, like a, tra- <laughs> he like translates the techno babble. He's, he's the, he's the, he's the everyman. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. But he's also more than that. You know, he's definitely, I think that like the comparisons to Captain Kirk are, would not be uh, unwarranted because I'm, this is what, this had, had Captain Kirk gone through the ranks like a normal uh, Starfleet officer, I think first officer Kirk would have been a lot like Riker. Um. <clears throat> well, you're saying Kelvin Kirk, but right because we don't know original series Kirk did. Did he? I don't know a lot about um, yes. pre Captain pre Captain Kirk. You know, pre Captain. Yes, remember he was on board. Yes, he he was first officer. He did all that stuff. Who was he? Was he on the first officer on the Enterprise? Was it Robert April? No, or was it? no, he was on. Remember, there is that cloud that he's obsessed with destroying because it destroyed. Uh, the ship that he was on, and uh, he was very loyal to that captain. That's right. Uh, I forgot about that completely. Yeah. We have yeah. to on Starfleet Boy. We'll we'll eventually. I think next we'll go back to the original series after we do uh, Next Generation. We're gonna go to the original series next before we move forward. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, um, where it all began. Anyways, uh, in that scene, with, so afterwards when he's totally deflated, I did love the yeah, – I, I loved a lot of things. The the scene between him and Picard where he's furious – Riva's furious and he's – and, you know, he's signing and uh, – And he grabs him. And he grabs him and he says, we're not alone. And it was just like one of the best scenes. Like one of the it's, – it's like rare to see Picard, you know, Picard get like that, but it's wonderful. Patrick Stewart's such a great so actor. So tactile, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, and then and then data learning sign language was cool, or his form. You know the the show different versions, yeah. Right, the show says that like the show, kind of you know rightly so, 
um, suggests that this is a kind of sign language from Ramatis. It's not related to Earth sign language. sign language. But I, I think, because I think that I know this is thank you in Earth sign language. I think what, what um, the actor or Riva is actually using is um, American sign language. Okay. I do think that that's what's actually being used. So I bet that's fun for for other deaf um, for deaf viewers because uh, they're probably able to really understand what Reva's saying. He might be saying some funny shit. You know, <laughs> he might not. He might not even be saying his lines. <laughs> when did you think about the fact that Reva was involved in negotiations between the Federation and the Klingons? Because, oh, yeah, the little um, there, yeah. Which is why we're now joined by Lieutenant Worf here. Um, how old is Riva? Because uh, I'm assuming those negotiations happened at the time of Star Trek VI. They would have had to have happened in between Star Trek VI and Star Trek The Next Generation because the Kittimer, Camp Kittimer, leads to the Kittimer Accords and then the massacre of Kittimer... And then after that is when the piece really takes hold is after the, the Kittimer mass. Yeah. If I remember, if I recall correctly, um, that's So it's, it's a while after, um, Riva could have been a very young man during this. Um, but also he is, you know, a Ramatan or from, right. So he could have, he could have an extended, a different lifespan. Um, Then we do, and even, even still, like the core is are the chorus Beta Z or are the are Ramadans uh, telepathic? You know, there's a lot of interesting. Are they from Ramadas too? Like, are Ramadans telepathic and you know whatnot? And uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's true or not. But um, just as a note, uh, you know, sort of Star Trek beyond the canon, uh, there is a novel called uh, Star Trek: The Art of the Impossible. Uh, this came out in two, 2003, and uh, it deals with uh, Klingons. It deals with Ambassador Curzon Dax, and mm. uh, apparently uh, uh, Riva is involved in this, and it involves um, Worf's... Uh, Grandfather. Yes, I'm trying to remember... Colonel Worf. Was it Colonel Worf? Colonel, I th- wait, let's, now we have to look it up. I don't know, but um, he's like a he's like a colonel or something. Let's see. Part of the impossible. And here? and he's named after yeah, it's Colonel Worf, and he's named and so Worf is probably named named after him. Okay. Played played by the brilliant Michael Dorn, of course. Of course, of course. Colonel Worf has interesting uh, Klingon makeup too. His crest is not as pronounced as. Uh, hmm. As That's Worf. True. That's true. I liked uh, that Worf was kind of. Uh, what was that? He he was a little bit. Um, he was little, annoyed. He was a little annoyed. Yeah, he's like until Riva, we did not have a word for peace. <laughs> what was it? That's what, what I'm saying. It sounds like <laughs> Riva goes back to Star Trek Six. Yeah, I'm sure he's around there. You know, rocking right. that, rocking that, um, that beard, that beard, and that new age space, space professor outfit. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. It was like a very cool, it's very designing women. Uh, you could see Delta Burke wearing designing that. women. Do you remember designing women? I could oh, totally God. see Delta I can't Burke. Just pulled that out. But it's true. It's a very androgynous outfit. I could see Delta Burke wearing that for sure. <laughs> Easily. Where oh. is Delta Burke right now? <laughs> She's... I don't actually. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh. Mm. Nice this... little glass of wine on a Sunday, just like uh, I'm sure Riva would have one with Counselor Troy. Um, things got a little, a little uh, uh, amorous. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah, she was really blushing a lot. I, I think Riva, I think Counselor Troy uh, really fell for him there. And uh, he was he was pretty forward about his feelings. I mean, the, you know. So does the chorus stay during? No, I, I don't think so. Because they or... remember they had the date where he asked the cor- the one member of the chorus to leave. So there are certain there are certain things that need no translation. <laughs> okay. Love lift us up where we belong, where eagles fly, with Riva of Ramadas. Oh, no, I don't know what I was just doing right now. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think I shall initiate a new a new tradition here on on Starfleet Boy. Um, in an alternate universe, do you think uh, Troy would have been happy having? stayed below on the planet with Riva as his um his chorus <laughs> no i don't think so i really think that um you know troy troy's an interesting character she does not um hold back with her her feelings you know where i think um or maybe she does in some cases where Riker's concerned, but for the most part, for the most part, and I think this is generally true about humans in the future. And actually, there's a there's some kind of um, you know it's been suggested before that humans are much more evolved in every way. And Star Trek: The Next Generation doesn't you know go into this overtly, but I think sexually, um, people are very liberated in the future and uh, not necessarily partnered. There's not a lot of coupling. Or you know, long-term coupling going on. I don't know if you've noticed that, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the characters are um, very open to uh, the occasional romantic uh, experience here and there. But um, pretty, you know, pretty uh, all right with being on their own. Uh, Picard doesn't get married. Um, Data doesn't. You know, Jordy doesn't seem to get married ever. Oh no! Although in sorry, in all good things, no. he is ma- in all good yeah, things, he's, he's married. married. Does he has, marry the engineer? I think he marries Leah Brahms. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. The real one or the hologram one? No, no, the real one. He has kids. In, uh, I don't in, know. In all good things, if I recall correctly, which, by the way, also he had the same, I don't know if this was a remastered thing, but he had the same contacts in all good things that he later has in uh, First Contact. The same like optical enhancer enhancements. When you when we get to all good things, you'll see what I'm talking about. But really? I've, yeah, I've seen it. Oh for, wow! Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I guess uh, that has something to do with being a Starfleet officer too. You don't have a lot of opportunity to settle down 
um, when you're when you're traveling through. Although, stars. if you're on a galaxy class starship, you have plenty of opportunity. You could. You're right. Keiko and uh, Miles O'Brien are a good example of of that. And, right. And and Worf and Counselor Troy for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. For, so maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that. But in general, um, Counselor Troy. You don't think yeah. Troy and and Reva? I yeah. think they, I, I don't know if they did have a chance to have uh, intimate times while aboard the show. The show's kind of uh, vague on that, but I'm sure she would have enjoyed that very much. I don't think Troy is closed to having think, that experience. Do you think Riker would have come down to the planet and punched Reva out and said, hey, man. <laughs> no, these are very evolved humans. That's my Amzadi, all right? <laughs> No, no, no. These are these are humans of tomorrow. They're very evolved. Not only am I going to make, not only are you going to be deaf, you're going to be blind now too. I'm going to punch your lights out. Uh, <laughs> next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation, Riker, Riker punches punches, Re- punches Riva Ramadas. Uh, and no, and- I mean, I do, I do think you know you bring up a really great point. I think the show does a great job of showing um, how. Humans have evolved in some ways, like and and definitely in in these kinds of like you know for example something that's uh, very common in our society is this idea of uh, you know shaming someone who's who who who's uh, a little more sexually promiscuous or sexually active you know and I think that in Star Trek: The Next Generation like people are having lots of sex and they're not shaming anyone about it it doesn't matter if you're you know if you're going around uh... <laughs> well we saw that in the last episode yeah right? we also saw that in the last episode you know and I think that's fantastic uh, yeah. I think that's fantastic I don't think there's anything wrong. Uh, I don't think you have to be someone who couples and 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 goes into a long-term uh, relationship. I personally desire a long-term relationship, but um, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong to be the other way either, and to and to explore the uh, many joys of life with many different people, as Riker does. <laughs> as Riker, as all of them do, except Picard. Picard, even though he goes on Risa, you know, he meets Vosh. And then you know he has other relationships too, but that's part of life. And I think it's um, it's good that the next generation takes a stand on things like that, and 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 kind of like suggests that like uh, you know that the sexual revolution is not a big deal. Nothing actually, nothing's a big deal on Star Trek. Like whenever they introduce these kinds of radical ideas, they always do a really good cho- job of making sure it's not a big deal. On Deep Space Nine. There's a scene where, um, uh, I, and I posted this on Tumblr. I don't know if you you saw this, but there's a, a great scene where Bashir and uh, I think it's Miles and uh, Cisco are talking about going to a baby shower or something like that for a male for for a, a crew member crew members that are both male. You know, and it or some kind of thing, but it, it was like made obvious in the in the episode that the two crew members are both male, and they totally it's totally amazingly done, very casually, uh, without any big deal kind of being pronounced to it. And I oh, think yeah. that's yeah, and I think that's wonderful because it's showing how humans will eventually. It's the idealized version of how humanity evolves, you know. Um, and there's certainly a lot of things. I think humans are so focused on differences and how differences um, differences seem to be 
you know, shunned rather than celebrated. And I think the the switch will happen when humans begin celebrating differences and not shunning them, you know, like mm-hmm. when, when we don't see the other as like an alien and we see them as, as like ourselves, but different, you know, and I think yeah. that's going to be a wonderful time when humanity finally reaches that and Star Trek espouses that, you know, that belief. And I love that. I love that about Star Trek. It's something that excites me a lot and it inspires me to be a better human today even though you know um i grew up with the same you know conditioning and biases and prejudices and you know that many of us grow up with um but you know watching shows like star trek um kind of force you to question these uh personal beliefs and it it kind of i think it helps you to transcend them and to become a more you know a better human being so to speak <laughs> Once again, I am so impressed with how Next Generation inspires this uh, this this in you. It's not and, just Next uh, Generation. I, I have to say, it's not just the Next Generation. Um, we're using Next Generation as a platform, but it, it is all of Star Trek. I mean, this is yeah. That the Next even- Generation <laughs> inspires a unique and special thing in you because I, I, I think Deep Space Nine or Enterprise does this to you, uh, or even the original show. Uh, I, I guess you're right. It you're was, you're a next generation guy. I am you're definitely, I'm definitely a, a huge fan of the next generation. That's yeah. no secret. Um, yeah. And it is probably my favorite time period in Star Trek. And I think that a lot of that has to do just with like, I was at a very, I was at the right age. I think. For mm-hmm. it to, you yeah, know, like, it's true. It's you true. Know. We all were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to mention uh, the very end. The Picard Troy scene. Oh, remind me. I, I can't. Uh, Picard uh, basically takes a moment to. Oh, to thank her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like I think, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Picard doesn't, is not someone who shows a lot of emotion. Uh, he's a pretty cool, collected character. And uh, I thought that was a particularly warm moment. And, uh, you know, this was this, as I said before, this was a good Troy episode. It showed, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wish poor uh, uh, Mariana Sirtis had had more episodes like this. Um, uh, it really showed Troy at her, at, at her best. And um, it all, and I think that moment showcased the unique relationship that Picard and Troy seem to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think I've said before, I don't understand why he keeps her around, but he clearly, <laughs> clearly likes keeping her around. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand it, but I don't doubt that he likes having her around. He clearly has immense uh, respect and uh, and feels a real closeness to Troy. And I think that moment was a nice moment. It was a nice way to end the episode. I, it was I, the ending, right? I'm so happy to hear. Yeah, that was the ending. I'm so happy to hear you uh, <laughs> talking about Counselor Troy like this because uh, you're usually such a hater. <laughs> Well, I usually am. I, I think she's yeah. in general. She's a she's she's one of the worst characters on the show. But, uh, I I call it like I see him. I, I wish okay. I really wish Troy had been more. Uh, you know, it, it makes more sense for her to have been uh, someone 
you know, a sort of a diplomat. I mean, if if you're okay, if 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 the captain is is you could say he's the uh, uh, the lead diplomat. I mean, that is one of his functions as captain of of the ship. Then he should have uh, you know envoys, right? Diplomatic envoys. That's what Troy really should have been. Uh, I think that makes a lot more sense than a counselor. I mean, I mean, it's you need a counselor on the bridge all the time. You I think need- we. I think we established that like we see the reason for a counselor just not on the bridge all the time because it right. is a bit I'm saying a, yeah That's it a is a big point. ship it does it I think that, I think it's important to have a counselor especially with the mixed you know the civilian uh and non-civilian personnel you know it's it's an interesting situation there's going to be a lot of uh reasons to have someone that you can go to and kind of talk through issues I with I agree so I think counselor are great, but again, yeah, I, w- I wonder, um, you know, I wonder, and and now we have Guinan, who's like the best bartender ever, and like, so I think, you know, I think that character. So this is an interesting thing, like, you know, I think characters like this, but also roles like this, do help organizations to function better. You know, if you look at the enterprise as an organization, which it is, you know, it's a it, there is there is a mission. There is a purpose, you know, and 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 Star Trek on its very, if, you know, if we want to get really far out here, it's called the USS Enterprise, and Enterprise is definitely like a a, a group of people that are that are working together to do something. It's a common goal. It's a common yes. goal, you know. So this is the Enterprise that we are on, right? And and I think it is important that a, a ship of this size needs, like, you know, for lack of a better word, she's the HR. You know, or or how you imagine an HR department should work. You know, in or, an organization, or, or social worker, or social worker, psychologist. Yeah, like, and I think that like if you were to look at the enterprise as like a micro society, right? Like, it shows that you have these real, you know, you have these really important roles. And in our current, you know, the enterprise of 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 Kirk didn't have a counselor um, because you know it was. It was a oh, huh? it was a. We're going to Chicago. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll be out. What Give me a minute. That's my Hi. friend Sohel. How are you? <laughs> we're on the Star Trek show. Do we're you watch we're talking through this. Well, he doesn't hear you because I have my headphones. Oh, on. the headphones on. That's right. Right. <laughs> Okay. That's our little special guest star. That's so cool. <laughs> it's out. So, <laughs> so just, uh, just saying like, I think for the eighties, I think we, it's reflective of, of society as well, because I think, um, you know, psychologists and, and counselors play a bigger role in our society today than they did maybe in the fifties and, and in the sixties perhaps, um, and as we know, uh, that maybe even went a little out of control. Like we have a pretty heavily medicated society. It's not something that's talked about a lot, but you know, um, I agree. But in, in the case of counselor Troy, she tries to, she's more of a counselor. She's not medicating people, you know, she's not a doctor, uh, of any kind. And I think there's, there is need for more of this. I think there's a lot of lonely people out there who don't know how to articulate their feelings, who don't know how to work through complicated situations and, and they can Barkley. benefit. What's that? Barkley. Barkley. Oh my gosh. He's yeah, you're absolutely right. Barkley is the Barkley and Troy. 
<laughs> are a match made in heaven and it's a great representation of certain aspects of our society anyways we could wax philosophical about this all day but i i think uh we should unless there's anything more to talk about we should and round it up rating. round it up to the ratings well it's one of my favorite episodes um really it's one of my favorite episodes. It's not like it's probably in like tier two of favorites, so you'll understand the rating. I give this a solid eight. That's that's my rating for this episode. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with my friend Worf here, and I give this a five. A solid oh wow! Five. Okay, it's, it's, interesting. It's a, you know, middle of the road. Um, to me, it was a memorable episode. I, I remembered Riva after all these years. He made an impact on me. The message made an impact on me. And I think it, it for me, yeah, it definitely deserves a higher score in eight. So, yeah. I think, it, I mean, I agree with everything that we said. You I and I are it, like but... the Siskel and Ebert of Star Trek. <laughs> yes, de- we are. I'm definitely Siskel. <laughs> are you? I don't know. Archie, I would see, think of you as more. Ebert, I think, liked things a lot more. He than, did? Really? The, I thought Cisco it was. was a little more snobbish. All right. Then I'm the Ebert, and you're the, yeah. you're the Cisco. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I am the Cisco. Yeah. <laughs> save me the aisle. You better not die before me. Um, <laughs> save me the aisle seat. Well, Doc, <laughs> Doctor, I really enjoyed this discussion. Um, it's really so good. So did Worf. So did Worf. So shall we, uh, anything, any last thoughts on the episode before we sign off? Um, let me just mention real quick for those that, oh, oh, that was the dryer turning off. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, uh, the book that has uh, Riva in it for those that wish to seek it out is called the art of the impossible. The and it is uh, it is a novel set in the lost era, in between the original series and Next Generation, and uh, that is the only other appearance of Riva that I can find. Not bad. I'm I love that he. Um, there's a book about him. I love the expanded universe. I have to wish I had more time to to delve into it. <clears throat> All right. So then I guess it's uh, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, over and out. Thank you for joining us.